the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of Colorado Issues. This is a program that shares the wonderful things that are happening in Colorado and gives information about the organizations that are making an impact for Colorado citizens. And today I'm talking with Greg Sipple of Paws for Purple Hearts. And the paws isn't the kind that you wait for or have to slow down for. This is the furry kind of paws. So, Greg, thank you for being here. Well, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here, Deanna. And I am so excited to talk to you about your organization and what you're doing. Um, It was about 14 years ago. A friend of mine called and said, hey, I have this extra puppy. Do you want this puppy? And I was like, sure, you know, okay. And so my daughter and I, we adopted, inherited uh, this golden retriever uh-huh. and have never had a golden before. And they are the most loving, loyal, just special breed of dogs. And I'm sure anyone with a dog thinks that their dogs are the best dogs. You of know, course. Whatever. Of course. But there's something about goldens and dogs being a man's best friend. That's not a lie. I mean, no. they really contribute to our lives. What brought you to an organization like Paws for Purple Hearts that helps men and women who are service veterans in such a wonderful way? Well, first of all, it was a divine blessing that it all came to be. Um, frankly, I had started out uh, out of college and was a naval flight officer and flew an aircraft called the S-3B Viking. I did that for 12 years on active duty and then uh, slid into the uh, reserve side of things. And I ended up doing that for another 16. So after 28 years, I retired, but uh, I was involved in corporate world. I ran some of my own businesses. And lo and behold, uh, myself and this woman, Bonnie Bergen, who is essentially the matriarch of this service dog industry, well, she and I uh, hit it off. And mm-hmm. uh, this organization had been in existence for almost uh, 10 years by the time I showed up on its doorstep. And uh, she entrusted me with running the organization and taking it to the next level, which is uh, hopefully here in the Denver, Colorado area, because mm-hmm. we're in five locations right now, one outside of uh, Virginia near Washington, D.C., another one in San Antonio, Texas, another in San Diego, San Francisco, and all the way up in Fairbanks, Alaska. I saw that the San Antonio branch, they are actually – fundraising to help those pets that have been affected by the storms and the flooding? Well, very much so. We're also trying to get that facility opened in time and everything Mm -hmm. else. And hopefully by the time your listeners hear this, we have done that Mm -hmm. and we're able to help a lot more pets and uh, in our facility. So not only are you helping vets, but but your organization is also helping animals. Oh, absolutely. I think we are all very much focused on it's a double-edged sword for us. We we look forward to helping those veterans. But anything we can do to uh, extol the virtues of pet ownership mm-hmm. is something that we like to do. Um, I think it is a remarkable uh, – we encourage people to go down to their shelters and find themselves that dog that uh, make a special connection with. And, yes, golden retrievers are wonderful, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, a good dog is a good dog. Yeah. If you're not a pet person, you might want to – Check yourself and ask why. That's right. You know, there are so many different wonderful things that pets do in our lives, and they're intuitive. 
they just know what's going on. Um, as an example, my brother passed away and oh Sorry. he, oh, it was a while ago. Thank you though. But, um, Maisley, he had a chocolate lab uh-huh. and she, we were all around him right before he died and mm-hmm. we expected this and we knew it was coming, but she walked across the room nearly 60 seconds before he passed on and she knew and she sat down right by his shoulder. You know, he was on the couch and, and I couldn't believe it. I was just, wow, this, this animal knows what's going on. And they help vets in such a wonderful way. You know, our vets are suffering from PTSD, yes. depression, yes. suicidal thoughts, all of these things. There are heroes and we need to help them as much as possible. Uh, I cannot tell you how much that's a very motivating and inspirational story. Um, they are intuitive. They know. Uh, and study us so well. They frankly know us better than we know ourselves. Those little scents, those smells that are, are it's like for them reading a page with mm. the letters very bold. Um, uh, to us, it would be a white sheet of paper, but right. it, to them, they see and understand things that uh, we as humans do not. And we've had a number of times where we've seen these dogs just act on their own initiative uh, we had one of our dogs who was actually at the ballpark on the 29th. Uh, his name is Major. And uh, our service veteran there, his name is uh, Russell Stafford, Army Sergeant. Uh, and he's suffering from a bad back uh, situation that's degenerative. And he was at a house of a friend of his who has a daughter with a lot of anxiety issues. And uh, uh, she was having one of her moments in, in almost a seizure. And that dog just simply walked across the room, went right to her, and calm to write down. Mm-hmm. And this was something he did. He was not taught by us in any way, shape, wow. or form. He just knew that something was wrong and that he could help. Mm-hmm. And that I thought was just amazing. And these pets, they can, you know, fix the pain where people can't. What are some of the stories that you've seen? Well, you just hit the nail right on the head. Um, I'll tell you one of them. And this one's very personal to me. And uh, I'll try to do it without uh, too much choking up because it was something that happened um, at Arlington National Cemetery. This was in 2016. I had just been on board about a month with the organization, and we were doing Operation Rolling Thunder, which is the million motorcycles riding around Washington, D.C., loads of veterans, and we wanted to introduce the dogs, socialize them to that atmosphere, and they were champions, just doing wonderful job. Uh, we had three of them out that day. Well, we were very late in the afternoon, and our photographer who was with us said, let's go to Arlington and get some photos. As we walked in, there was a veteran sitting on this bench, and something in the back of my head said I needed to pay attention to him. Don't know what it was, Mm. um, but I think I know where it came from. And we took our photos. The groundskeeper said, well, it's time to go, and uh, scurried everybody out. And at that time... I noticed he was still there. So I lingered a little bit just to make sure. And as soon as that groundskeeper approached him, uh, a cacophony of emotions erupted. I realized that there was a problem. I ran back and quite literally slammed my body next to his. Uh, Explained to him, I'm a veteran. I'm here. I can help. What's going on? He didn't want to engage with me. He wouldn't look me in the eye. He kept saying, I'm nobody. Just leave me be. It was at that moment, though, that I realized after all the training that we had had, 
in the military to watch for a suicidal ideation, meaning somebody who is at the precipice of committing suicide. Um, he demonstrated this in spades. And I realized he was probably armed. He was there to finish his life. Well, I didn't know what to do. Um, and I, uh, I told you I'd get a little emotional because it was a very powerful thing. I sat there and, and I, I didn't reach for my phone. I didn't dare. Um, I'm a pretty good sized guy. I played football and I realized maybe I can get him down. I can get the weapon, disarm it. But then I said, let's try talking. Let's see what that'll do. Again, it was really not getting anywhere. And it dawned on me, the dogs, the dogs are not far. So I asked him if he would come with me. He fought me quite a bit. Um, actually, a couple times where I physically was grabbing him and, come on, come on. Mm-hmm. But when he got sight of all of them, there was one in particular, and she and they were bonded almost instantly. Nine-month golden retriever mm-hmm. puppy by the name of Patsy. Uh, what followed, I think anybody who witnessed it would tell you it was a very spiritual thing. Uh, he dropped to his knees. He put an embrace on that dog. And it was a sort of embrace that most animals probably would have squirmed out of. She knew intuitively, as your brother's chocolate lab, that this person needed her. And she rested her head on his shoulder. He dropped his head over hers. And then the emotions poured out. And what I learned from his whole backstory was this. He was a 18-year-old Marine, 2nd Battalion, 2nd Marines in 2004. There was a 30-year-old man in front of me, but he hadn't forgotten this. He performed heroically in battle. He was wounded twice. But three of his 18- and 19-year-old friends did not make it out. He came back to visit them. For the last time. And yeah, that dog took it away, took it all away. He was down for about 30 minutes. um, And all I could say was it was anguish. It was pain. Mm -hmm. But when he came up and he looked me square in the eye, he says, I'm okay now. I knew he meant it. He looked me where he wouldn't, where he had no emotion, no, I said this before that I didn't see his soul before when he came back up, he was whole. He was, he was back. And it was that moment that I realized how magical and transformative these animals can be. I couldn't get through. There was nothing I could say, but the dog did. The dog saved his life. And I said right there, well, I, I get it. Thank you. Um, I got the message. This is now my mission. Awesome. So I've been very passionate about what I do. I do it for not any of the money that's involved for, for me. That's for sure. Nonprofit is not that great at paying. <laughs> um, but I do it for, for my fellow veterans and uh, the men and women both who've been out there. And um, a lot of times we do forget some of our, our women veterans. 
a lot of them who are in professions um, that they have to be holding hands of young men as they leave this earth. And that is something that has to be very difficult. These are, you know, young men in the prime of their life, perfectly healthy. Yes, the medical profession deals with this a lot, but when day after day, that's all they see, it takes a toll. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that was a beautiful story. You're making my mascara right here. <laughs> well, <sighs> I'm sorry about that. But it, <laughs> that's, it, mine. that's a good cry. Well, it's one that I – it's so personal to me um, because it, it was me. Mm-hmm. And this young man and I, by the way, stayed in touch. Uh, he is doing fine. Um, he still faces that abyss every so often. Um, we spent two and a half hours on the phone this past Memorial Day. Um, just to make sure things are okay. And I've always asked him if he'll just give me 24 hours, 24 hours, and we'll be there. Mm-hmm. Um, he lives in a, now in Kentucky, so he's a little ways from where we have facilities, but that's another part of my mission is to grow, and that's why we would really love to be here in Denver. Um, this is a, a location that for the um, – a western part of the United States is fairly accessible to most people. Uh, United Airlines has a hub here, and uh, we're trying to work very closely with United as well uh, to help them out and help us out, uh, acclimate the dogs to flying and you name it. So uh, we'll see if that uh, comes to fruition here soon. That's wonderful. Now, there's, there are so many different things that um, you have to train the dog to experience flying, like you were saying. Yes. Um, I know that vets have issues with crowds, with noises, with lights, you know, things like that. How do you train a dog through this? And, and veterans are training these dogs, right? Absolutely. And that's actually part of that magical formula. Uh, whereas a lot of other organizations will take that young puppy, they will turn it over to a surrogate person, uh, a puppy raiser. And that person will then, in a year and a half or so, bring it back in. They'll test it. They'll work it and refine it, and it'll pass or fail and then go on to a veteran. It's one dog, one veteran. Mm -hmm. What we're doing by having those veterans in, we're getting, uh, on average, about 50 veterans will work with that dog in its lifetime, its two-year training lifetime. And this is different gender, different ethnicity, different backgrounds, size, shape, uh invalid to you know fully mobile but those dogs are then much more socialized and they do bring veterans out i will tell you another story we had a veteran this is up in alaska he had not gone out into society Um, the reason he's in alaska is to escape society that's why one of the highest density populations of veterans is fairbanks alaska truly hmm because you don't get further, you go much further north and you don't have any vestige of society left. I mean, it is very, very rural and open. And that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to escape. Um, one of the problems with post-traumatic stress is this feeling that you want to isolate yourself. Well, a dog will stop you from doing that because a dog means to go out and the dog wants to play and the dog wants to be uh, around a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So we had a veteran who was out uh, walking one of these dogs, and um, it was at a fair up in Fairbanks, uh, some sort of community thing. And he would not normally have been there. He would just simply not have gone out. But his comfort level with the dog next to him was so high 
that he would stay with that uh, animal. And it was noticed. It was very visibly noticed by some people, in particular an older couple that uh, saw this dog behaving the way that it was, very disciplined, and went up and talked to our instructors. Well, um, this happened to be a gold star couple, which for your listeners who don't know is a family that lost a child uh, in combat. And so they were obviously felt a void in their lives and they wanted to help out somewhere, somehow. Well, this veteran who was walking that dog, this is the magic, served with their son. Oh, my word. So the veteran who never would have been out, who never would have met anybody, ends up meeting this couple and brings them a lot of closure as well. So, you know, these sorts of things are just happening on a routine basis for us. Um, these dogs bring with them uh, something, some unique quality that we just – inherent to them, and they just bring out the best in people. I know that there are – you know, the dogs who can comfort those who are going through PTSD. But you mentioned, you know, there are the veterans who have lost limbs, who yes. are in wheelchairs. How are those dogs serving uh, the folks who are disabled now? Well, see, and I think that's really one of the great sides of our organization is that because they're so well socialized, so well trained, that any one of our dogs can handle any magnitude of service um, ailments that have come along, uh, burn victims, uh, lost limbs, chronic pain, um, paraplegic, quadriplegic, whatever that may be, uh, and then all the way up to the post-traumatic stress. Um, another form of post-traumatic stress, unfortunately, is sexual traumas, mm-hmm. uh, and then we also have traumatic brain injury. All of these animals can handle every one of those situations equally well because we are very fastidious in our picking of dogs. Um, They have to have certain qualities and certain trainabilities and then to ultimately pass the hardest standards possible. So our dogs will have 106 base commands down. And the remarkable thing is that happens between about four to six months they will have those down. Then comes the maturing process because just like humans, dogs who are teenagers have mm-hmm. a little bit of an attention deficit <laughs> problem. And uh, so they need to spend a little bit of time uh, growing up and maturing and, you know, spelling play with a little P, not such a big P. And um, that's when they're ready to take on somebody like that. But they are remarkable for uh, veterans who are struggling. In fact, when we were at the uh, – uh, Coors Field with the Rockies, uh, we had one of our veterans, and as he was walking around uh, with his crutches, uh, he had dropped one of his uh, crutch, and so he had the vet, the dog, had picked it up for him. And it may seem like a very simple act, but for that veteran who has a degenerative spine situation now, um, that act of bending down can cause tremendous pain. That tremendous pain can also bring back memories of other things. And so just by having that dog there, just by having that little simple act of picking the crutch up, he doesn't go through that, nor do any of the emotions that come back to him. Um, So it really is a life-saving thing that these dogs are doing Mm -hmm. every day. And 
So we're, we're very proud of what our animals can do once they're ready to go. And even if those dogs do not graduate to that level, we will bring them into facilities where they will uh, walk around. There's a great story of one of our dogs out in Menlo Park, California, by the name of Webb, who visits everybody on his ward. He just goes around and pops his head it. under, and you have to pet Webb. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and then once Webb thinks that you're doing okay, Webb moves on to the next room and the next room. And he's so smart, he basically learned how to let himself outdoors and then travel all over the entire Menlo Park VA campus visiting people. And we also have the emotion uh, support uh, the therapy dogs, and we have one um, by the name of Larson who's out in California working with one of our uh, psychologists out there, and he's treating like 140 veterans with just this one dog. And the reason for it is the veterans don't open up so much with a human being there, but with the dog, all of a sudden they just relax and addressing the problems that they have to. And when you look at it from a broader perspective, by interdicting at this point in their lives we're preventing them from starting that downward spiral, which usually means more medications or abuse of medications, alcohol, uh, despondencies, you know, isolation, and ultimately at the end of that road is a very dark, uh, dark place. And and if we keep doing nothing, then we're going to lose our next greatest generation because this is the millennials, mm-hmm. right? The selfish millennials. These are the selfless millennials. These are the ones that have dedicated themselves to something higher and to let them perish because we didn't give them what they deserve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the uh, attention and respect and integration back into society. And so you don't want homeless veterans, folks. Get a dog. And we'll stop that indigency. We'll stop that homelessness. And uh, we'll make these contributing members of society. And, you know, we need these people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We need them very badly. And these dogs are grounding them. That is absolutely so wonderful. Yeah. Now, you just had a big bike ride through Colorado. Going from the Utah border to Kansas, through Colorado, up and down the mountains. Yes. Um, a local talent here, Jerry Schimmel who um, has gone through some trauma himself. Yes, he has. He um, is family of military. I know yes. that as well. Uh, great guy. Great guy. Wonderful. Wonderful um, human. How were the dogs received? Um, I mean, what was the overall response that you got through this fundraiser? I'll tell you, it, it has been, um, you know, thank you, Colorado. Thank you, Denver. Um, God bless you all. Uh, the response has been overwhelming. Uh, we have had the dogs received, as we talked about earlier, at Coors Field, and, uh, you know, just everybody wanted to meet them and uh, and share time with them. And they were all very grateful to every veteran that they saw and thanking them for their service. And um, and, and that's that's important uh, for everybody. I, I realize that that didn't happen for every veteran in every generation. But for uh, now, it seems like people are very appreciative of that. Yeah, we had folks out along the route cheering Jerry on. Uh, we ended up uh, doing very well. We probably had a couple of hundred at least at the reception. And uh, it was something that we're very proud of. And, and hopefully this is the catalyst. Uh, we'd like to get the attention now of some of your bigger corporate entities here and uh, some of the nicer foundations. And uh, there's a nice medical campus downtown that's getting the Marcus Institute of Brain Health uh 
So we think that that might be a real great pairing for us to be able to help you out. And uh, hopefully we'll end up having this somewhere between either in the downtown Denver area or a little further south, uh, in which way it makes it just a little easier for that tremendously large veteran community near Colorado Springs Absolutely, yeah. to get to us. And we'd really like to be a part of this. I've lived in the Springs for 20 years. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, Colorado and our military, we love them very, God bless very you. much. That's wonderful. I had the privilege of knowing the president of the Student Veterans Organization up at ah. CSU. He's dating my daughter. I love him. Oh. I call him my son in love. <laughs> I love Josh. And I've also been exposed to part of the American Legion through okay. um, getting to know him, that kind of thing. What are other organizations that can, you know, come alongside and partner with Pause for Purple Hearts. I think the most important thing is that people care. Um, you know, what sings to you, please uh, give to those organizations uh, because we just can't do it on goodwill alone, but we do need volunteers. So come on out and donate some time. You'll be as highly rewarded as, as, as we are. If a vet is listening right now and says, I need a dog, how do they go about contacting well, your organization and, and going through the process? Uh, first of all, please go to the website, which is very easy to remember. If you can remember pause, as in P-A-W-S, pause, for F-O-R, not the letter, number four, but for Purple Hearts, pause for Purple Hearts with a, an S at the end, dot uh, org, pause for purplehearts.org. And we are there. We will, um, you know, just let us know what we can do to help. And if you'd like to apply for a service dog, that's wonderful. We will do that. And if you are near one of our facilities, we'd like to get you involved with our program as quickly as possible because starting to work with the dogs, even if you're not necessarily taking that dog home full-time, you're probably going to take that dog home part-time, maybe over the weekend, you know, times when you need some help. And those dogs can help so many people. And that's what I think is just a little bit different about our program. And we're so proud of it. Well, Greg Sipple, I am inspired. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for all that you're doing for our vets. Well, Deanna, thank you for this opportunity. I cannot tell you how much it means to me, to the organization, but ultimately it's our veterans. And God bless you for doing what you're doing and getting the word out. And uh, for everybody out there who's listening, hopefully we've inspired you to look us up and uh, maybe give us a little bit of your time and uh, hopefully some money as well because uh, we do need that. Thank you.